Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Two, three, maybe a fourth. They're coming out of his beat six and seven. Top the moment is Brendan eight. Oh, wow. No, no, no. no. Yeah, let's run out a massive week here on the Supercoach 365 podcast. Ryan and Tommy back with you one more time before you can uh, have a relax over the weekend. Today, Tommy, we're running it out. As I said, it's been a big week, but we're going to talk to RFs and hookers just to uh, finish it off a little bit. And plenty to get through today as well, and some big names on this list which have big implications on uh, the start of the Supercoach season especially. Yeah, for sure. G'day, Ryan. Uh, good to be back again. Some of the biggest names in the game, I guess a few years ago, maybe two RFs were probably seen as the golden childs of Supercoach. Maybe not anymore, but you know, they're still pretty integral parts to your team. So can you get stuck into the conversation? Before we do though, uh, just a reminder that we are coming to you via the podcast streams this year as we did last year, but we are on YouTube as well. So if you haven't already, head on over there, search Supercoach365, that's where you'll find us. Um, subscribe to us, turn on your notifications, and while you're there, leave some comments and perhaps even a review as well. Speaking of, Tommy, our socials have gone gangbusters this week, um, primarily because we're going to be running a overall group, which we sort of spoke about the other day. But we've thrown up $100, absolutely free of charge to play, so 100 reasons to join and zero reasons not to get involved this year. Yeah, absolutely. Supercoach is fun enough on its own, but when you're playing with other people and competing against your mates and us two on the podcast uh it'll be even more fun so i think you told me there's over 200 people in that group at the moment there is and i'll just flash up that code for you one more time so there it is the group code the overall group code so whoever scores the most points come the year's end uh five seven six eight five five hundred dollars prize money absolutely free of charge to play the only condition is to be eligible for the prize you do have to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, Twitter, or all three. Um, that might get you uh, looked upon favorably as well. Um, but while we say that, let's get straight into this, Tommy. I'm going to chat some ownership percentage before we dive into the 2RF and the hookers. But I think it's probably relevant to do it 
um, as well before we sort of dive into what the, the makeup of our teams look like at this point anyway because I've had a look and it does seem that there are some popular picks there and starting to see some template teams almost and players that are going to figure in a lot of teams. Yeah, absolutely. Having a, a good look last night at these positions we're going to talk about today and a few others and really seeing those high ownership percentages on a fair few players and even talking to you, we've kind of, I guess, agreed on a lot of our, a lot of players. So look, it's always going to happen. There's a lot of players who performed really well last year who just seem like we have to put them in this year. But as we'll talk about in a sec, it's going to make the uh, the players that we pick, the points of difference, the players of difference, it's going to make them very crucial this season. Yeah, and I think we can really spell that out, uh, particularly at the hooker slot because we'll dive into the number one ranked player in just a moment. But he's out for round one, and it sort of does open up that opportunity for going around the likes of Harry Grant and even Tom Travojevic. I know he's a lower own, but suddenly he becomes a pod because... You know, you're playing with the best name in the game and 88% of teams don't have him. So just opens it up. It's probably even more crucial this year and something that we've spoken about in the past as well. Not having the Q Cup or the New South Wales Cup, it makes it really hard to find the values in the cheapies. Yeah, I think a lot will come down to uh, that first team list Tuesday, two days out before the season, because a lot of these cheapies, well, I know I don't really know them because there's been no uh, reserve grade the last few years, so it's hard to kind of have a handle on who's going to get picked and whatnot. But when you see a few of those cheapies named in the 17s come round one, I think their ownership percentage will be absolutely skyrocketing. Yeah, and you said that already with Suwali. Uh, I think Lachlan Ilias is up around 55% as well. So anyway, enough of that. Let's just dive into this. Actually, before we do, recapping. So this week we've covered off on the fullbacks, the halves, Excuse me, and a bit of draft chat as well with the guys from Weekly Rubdown. So, uh, and next week, of course, stay tuned. We'll cover off on the front row forwards, the CTWs, and then we'll be getting into the team by team previews all before the trials on February 12. Tommy, let's get stuck into this though, because we are here to talk hookers, and I've already sort of alluded to the man who heads this list. It's no secrets that that's Harry Grant, and he's suspended for round one. So, a little bit of a question mark over the what looks to be the out and out best player in this position. Yeah, there's a few Storm players, isn't there, suspended for round one, which is kind of throwing a cat amongst the pigeons. But uh, it's hard to argue with his scores last year, averaging 73 and a half, only really played half of the season. And some of that was even off the bench at times. So he looks, once he gets back on the field this year, he looks to have a clear run at the at the nine jersey. And with the Storm being pretty much brilliant every year, it's hard to see it not having a good season. You see the numbers there on your screen, just 13 games last year, but he was efficient and he did um, you know have a great output when he was on the field and balancing that and juggling that all with Brandon Smith in the team as well we asked ourselves this time last year how was it all going to work um, it seemed to work very well for um, you know 95% of the season pretty much right up until that final game where uh, they lost to the Panthers in that final but otherwise Harry Grant looks another rock solid option there so what do you make of the, the Melbourne Storm start to the year? Obviously, that, that easier or the easier game against the Tigers, he won't be there, but then clashes against uh, the Rabbitohs and the Eels at home as well. 25% owned. It just shows you that um, you know, one, well, one quarter of a super coach at least thinks that he will overcome that first week being out and, and go on to, to kick on. Yeah, I think it is a pretty big issue that he is missing round one because that, that would have been a great game to start with, but 
Oh, look, I think age is on his side as well. He's still a player that's probably on the up. He's still probably working into the best form of his career. So people probably just hoping to cash in on that. I guess the price, maybe 50K more than the next best hooker could be a deterring factor, maybe. But then again, if you like Harry Grant, he won't let you down. He won't. And um, as you say, there, that'll be his jersey this year. I think even Dale Finucane moving on. We'll see this man play a bit more time in the number 13 role, and that's Brandon Smith, his Storm teammate. 22 games last year for Brandon. And I think, to all of our surprise, he played a lot of those games, as we say, at number nine, and his form was just that good that they couldn't move him anywhere else because he was scoring tries what seemed every week. And I held off and held off. I actually didn't hold him the whole season, but I know you got him in, Tommy, and a lot of that was due to that irresistible form that he showed and that try-scoring form that he showed. Yeah, the, the try scoring form indeed. I think he'd scored something like seven games in a row. But um, at the same time, you can't really count on that. And that kind of works against him, I think, this year. I don't think you can back on him scoring a try every week. So I think maybe he's a bit bit generous to be ranked the second best hooker in the game. I won't be going with him. And I suspended for round one as well, which, again, hurts. Who wears the number nine for the Storm in round one? Because it's... I was thinking about this today as, as I was sort of putting this together, and obviously Harry Grant's not there. Brandon Smith won't be there. Aaron Booth's gone to the Titans. I actually don't know. I don't know who's going who's to be there. He's out too. Yeah. yeah I've, I've got no idea. They're exactly right. I was thinking of Aaron Booth, and he's moved on as well. So well, he might be a little, uh, whoever his name there could be a little sneaky, cheapy option perhaps. What's Cameron Smith doing in in the second week of March? Uh, Just before we move on past those two, a question via Instagram today, and we'll get into more of these later, but perfect segue here. Familiar name in the DMs, Pat Sowby asks us, if we gets to week two and Harry Grant is named in jersey 14 and Smith's at nine, not that we're really expecting that, but how how are those 25% of super coaches feeling? Well, they're closing the game quitting uh no but it would be a massive shock it would be very disappointing for the owners for sure because then he's only getting probably 60 minutes maximum mm. but i just couldn't imagine happening especially with you know nelson and sofa solomona now leaving the storm as well i yeah. think it just leaves another gap in their forward pack and that brandon smith would be the lock you, you just have to think are you tempted to run brandon i'll just bring his, his numbers up there again and his positional status as well the fact that he is dual position um, we'll be playing, it doesn't say there actually, but he is 2RF, he, he does get in there at this 2RF slot. The, the fact that he will be playing more of that running role, is that actually going to help his scores, do you think, or will it bring it down? Because as you say, most of his tries are from two metres out, barging his way over. Um, does that help his game, or, or as his chances as, as a genuine hooking option in Supercoach, that he won't be playing hooker? Yeah, I'm not sure. I really am kind of thrown by the, the tries last year, like you said. A lot of his tries were just barge over tries against weak opposition. I don't know. I feel like he can't go any better than he did last year. So I really just think he's a bit too highly priced. I know the price goes off the average, but I just I couldn't have him, though. If you're not playing with Harry Grant, another familiar name or another popular name that I've seen in, well, it says here only 11% of teams, but I've seen his name spoken about a hell of a lot, and that's Reid Marnie of the Parramatta Reels. Mr. Consistent, and when he can stay fit, he is arguably one of the better hookers in the NRL, not just Supercoach. Uh, his Supercoach output last year, maybe it surprised, it certainly surprised me, that, that average there of about 68. 
um, but 11% owned. I kind of expect that number to, to rise a little bit before round one, particularly as people start to weigh up. Well, is it worth running another gun option there at number nine and not running the cheapie that first week when Grant's out? Do you just go read for one week and then to Harry Grant if that's the way you're going to play it? Yeah, well, I think he's just probably the safest option of the hookers. You know, he's only he's only a little bit cheaper than Grant, but he's actually playing round one. And they have a little, like a decent first game against the Titans. So you'd think he scores well there. He'd be a good player to start off with. And he's the sort of player you just know, if you kept him across the season, he won't let you down. Like, I think that average of 68, I think you'll just see that again, really. There's no real factor to say that he wouldn't be able to reach those heights again. Does he play Origin this year, do you think? I know he was close last year, and then he was... I think he made it to camp, and then they sent him home, didn't he? Yeah, well, he'd be my pick. Um, Well, probably not, actually. Harry Grant, sorry, I forget the elephant in the room. But I think he deserves to be in the squad somewhere, perhaps a 14. It depends how Queensland obviously want to go with their bench and and whatnot. But they're flush for options now, Queensland, in the nine, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, you know, speaking of rep hookers, last, last year when we did this chat about hookers... We led with this man, uh, Damien Cook. Surprising to see him so far down this list, and it is only you know three rungs further down than what he was this time last year. Uh, he averaged, I think it was closer to 75 in 2020. Um, so he's dropped down here on, on last season's form anyway. Tough start to the year for the Souths, but 7% owned. That's starting to make me interested. I think the, you know, more or the fact that he's so lowly owned. He's actually making me more keen on Damian Cook because suddenly there is that you know pod play from round one, and if he can get back to anywhere near his best, then who's going to be shocked? Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, I think last year, the average of 65, I actually thought it was lower because I just felt like he really did underperform. I think because I owned him in both Classic and Draft for a while, and he was just really disappointing. But um, I think there was a few big scores there which boosted the average up. So... Look, I don't know. I'm probably burnt by him a little bit. I know what you're saying now. He's almost a pod, which is surprising for someone like Damien Cook. But, uh, yeah, it's a tough start to the year, so maybe chime in after the first few weeks. Yeah, I think the draw opens up a little bit after that first month, which is we've spoken about it already. It's horrendous. Um, but the fact yeah, the fact that he, he is pretty consistent, I think, with his injuries. I, I can't remember a, a period over the last couple of years, at least, when Cook's missed a hell of a lot of games. So... If he's playing 20-plus games and Stouts are anywhere near... You think Adam Reynolds gone? He's going to have to have a little bit more of a say in the attack, you think? Well, that's the, that's the question I was going to ask you. Does Reynolds leaving and they have a rookie half, does that impact Cook heavily? Mm. Does that hurt his game? Does that give him more of a license to run the ball or does it mean that he's going to have less attacking opportunity? I'd love to see him run the ball more. And I think everyone would, not just super coaches. But you think of that 2018... Origin series for New South Wales. He was close to their best, probably shaded only by James Tedesco, um, which is no mean feat. But um, a lot of that game, particularly that Origin one down at the MCG, he just carved them up. And I know he went through, and I think he set up Maloney for a try early, and um, and that was when he was at his best for South. I think they made a prelim that year, lost to the Roosters, and if they did make the grand final and go on to win it, a large part of that would have been a Damien Cook. Uh, you'd imagine so. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think he has to be a little bit more hands-on this year. Will he be? Uh, I guess that's up to discretion of the coach. Coming uh, to the next hooker here on this list. Now, he's the fifth-ranked hooker, but we don't have a hell of a lot to go on, do we, Tommy? No, we don't. But uh, I must say, when I 
first sat down to do my team a couple of weeks ago when the team picker came out, this was the first guy I put in my side, uh, Cameron McInnes. I, I really like him. Uh, obviously, last year he didn't play with the with the injury and he was signed to the Sharks. So we've kind of known for a long time that he was coming to the Sharks and we've had a long time to prepare for him. And I just like his price. I like the fact that he's dual position, uh, average 76 in 2020. Uh, I'm really excited to have him on the side. Yeah, those numbers you saw on your screen then, uh, that average, as you say, there from the 2020 season, which when, you know, he was probably one of the best super coach players that year. I think if he was fit last year, he's probably a top five draft pick. At least the top yeah, 10. I've... Top five is probably maybe a little bit generous, but he was the second best ranked hooker, I think second only to Cameron Smith heading into that uh, season when he did do his ACL. No, exactly right. And obviously last year we saw massive attacking stats boosted by those fullbacks and that, but I still think McInnes would have been up there. And to be, you know, 100,000 less than Harry Grant and he could play either second row or hooker, and we, we probably like Cronulla this year. We keep saying that we think going to have a good season. I think he's 34% owned. It's not surprising, really. Sort of the question I'll ask you about, uh, although I did ask you about Brandon Smith, does it actually help his game, his super coach game, that he's not playing hooker and that he will be a runner? I, I, look, thinking back to McInnes and his style as a second rower or as a you know lock in this case, I can't remember him going to the line like an Isaiah Yo a hell of a lot for the Dragons and tipping on. That was more of Jack DeBellin um, around that same period. Um, but otherwise, I think McInnes... I actually don't know what to expect from him from, from number 13. I think he's just going to be a defensive workhorse and sort of like that Paul Gallen sort of 13. Yeah, it's hard to say. It might depend on what Fitzgibbon wants him to do as well. But I agree with you. I don't remember him playing like a, a Murray or anything, like a ball player. Mm. But... um. Just looking at his scores from 2020 and whether he was playing nine or 13, it didn't really matter. He pretty much averaged the same amount of uh, same amount of points per game. So, yeah, hopefully uh, that form from two seasons ago can hold up this year because yeah, I really think he's a great price and a pretty good start to the year as well in terms of fixtures: uh, the Raiders, the Eels, and the Dragons. So, uh, doesn't have to wait long to play his old team. Cam McInnes. Let's move on to one of the most popular picks at number nine, and who would have thought we'd been saying this a couple of weeks ago? Um, and probably, I mean, in no small part due to his cheap status, but uh, Chris Randall here of the Newcastle Knights uh, says he's a fullback there. Again, sorry for that. He's obviously playing hooker. Uh, $245,000, five appearances only in 2021. Look, his average not great. His positional rank speaks for that, but you see there that that gold number on your screen, 49% owned. He's going to be the popular pick. Yeah, and I think you almost have to have him, don't you, really? When Jaden Braley went down a couple of weeks ago with that injury, um, this guy became a real key player in the game. And just looking at that last round last year, I forget who they played off the top of my head, but 54 points from base stats, that really stands mm. out. And if he can you know, play big minutes with the Knights... That's, uh, that's great numbers for a player that's only 245k. Are you worried about his rotating role? And I mean, do we need him to play 80 minutes? I don't think we do, to be honest. At that price, if he plays 55, 60 minutes, we're probably happy. Yeah, he's not someone I'm probably going to spend the whole year with unless he goes really well. But um, mm. I don't know what to expect from Newcastle, really. I don't know what their booking depth is like, to be honest. Yeah, I think it was either Randall, uh, Kurt Mann... 
but I mean, Kurt Mann, he could play anywhere from one to thirteen. He might not do a great job, but I think that's his sort of role. Like he's their version of a Mister Fix It, and I think they had plans for him to spend time in the back row anyway this year, Kurt Mann. So if he's getting through defensive work in the middle, then it's probably too not uh, sorry, not too much different to playing hooker. But uh, there are other names here, uh, dual position players, which we could talk about, but we might hold one of those over for the two RF. Uh, conversation because I think he's going to feature quite heavily in a lot of teams uh, that name there but just wrapping up this hooker chat Tommy is it a case of Harry Grant for round one or are you tempted to play around Harry given the fact that he is out and maybe run as someone like Amani or a cook yeah I'm going to go around Harry Grant uh, I know the other day I was keen on monster but then you really reminded me there's going to be out for the first week so I had to rethink that too so I don't really want to be without a, a gun hooker for round one I think Cam McInnes is who I'm going to settle on, and I'm honestly probably happy to play him out for the unless he's injured or playing awfully. I'm pretty happy to like pick yeah. and stick with him. Yeah, and I mean for now I've got Grant, but I might get itchy feet closer to kick off, and um, I think I've just done what 49% of other super coaches have done. There is just putting Chris Randall for uh, that first week. Hope he can churn out 50 and then run Grant. Uh, on the field and, and maybe shift Randall to the bench um, in weeks two and beyond. I just want to bring up something that uh, we put on our Instagram some time ago now, uh, back in November, about Cam McInnes, and we were sort of uh, having a guess of where he would go, in, in particularly in draft ranks. I said he might have been a top five pick um, last year, if not for that ACL, if he was fully fit and or at least a top ten. I think he definitely goes first, late first round or early second round. Uh, in this year's drafts, but it's going to be a big punt, a, a bloke coming off an ACL that hasn't played footy for some time, especially under these new rules. Yeah, that's definitely a factor that I probably haven't considered enough. You know, it's a long, long time away from the game and a bad injury to have. So you are kind of crossing everything that he comes back in the same form. Mm-hmm. But if he does, yeah, I, I'm with you. He'd probably be around, you know, maybe 10th draft pick, something like that. On this post here, I've said runs, tackles, tackle busts, offloads. McInnes's points per minutes could easily soar beyond 1.1. And given the fact that he averaged 76 in 2020, I think every class player's average has risen since then. I think maybe barring Tedesco, who might have dropped slightly. But you look at all the other big names. They've all gone up. And I think that's, again, in any old case, due to the fact that these new rules have opened up the game a hell of a lot more. It's almost like the house prices, mate. Inflation. It's you can't compare it. Everywhere, everything's just gone up. Shan't be buying a house, but I might be buying Cameron McInnes from round one. Uh, Tommy, let's leave it there for the hookers. Uh, we'll come back after this short break and chat. Everything happening in the second row, and believe me, there's plenty to get through. Having a bet on the racing this week? Top this. With Top Sport's best of the best multis, top odds are guaranteed. Place a best of the best multi during Saturday Metro meetings for the top flug or dividend from the best three national totes. Plus, there's best of the best to win up to five grand too. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Yeah, welcome back. Supercoach 365 podcast brought to you by topsport.com.au. Massive weekend of racing and sport coming up as well. So if you are having a play this weekend, why not do it with Top Sport? Do it responsibly. And um, if you are a new customer, you can use the code, the promo code SCOACH365 at sign up. Uh, just so Tristan and the guys know that you've uh, found your way to us via, or to them via us. 
Um, and believe me, I think they'll look after you if you go through it that way as well. Tommy, second row forwards, um, an integral part of Supercoach teams. And I know that you've, in the past, traditionally built your teams around this position. Um, I asked you the question, middle of last season, are centre wingers the new two RFs? But I think you haven't swayed your thoughts. You're still going to build your team heavily around the, the, the high-scoring forwards. Yeah, I still like them. But I do think um, last year, if you went that way, you kind of got burnt because all the big scores were in the CTWs and fullback. But um, just going back historically, like remember the days of Paul Gallen, Corey Parker, they were the two greatest super coach players, you know, 10 years ago, they were, they were second rowers. But um, yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm looking in the past. It's probably not as important now, but there's still some absolute dumb players which we're going to look at in a sec. Yeah, and I actually put that question to you, as I said, because I did have players... Um, at my disposal, and again, looking through our own draft lens here, but uh, Brian To'o, uh, Ruben Garrick, he was in- incredible last year, Josh Adokar, Alex Johnston, these high-ceiling players that just didn't seem to have a flaw last year because the, they, were, they were in good teams and they were just scoring heaps of tries. But as I'm putting my team together this year, I can't bring myself to, to spend 700000 upwards on a To'o or on a Garrick but you could nearly make a case for doing it for David Fafita, which goes against completely everything that I've just said there. It's just hard to say. It just depends. I think last year was just one of those seasons no one could predict, as in the amount of blowout scores, you know, teams just racking up points. The super coach scoring was ridiculous. Can it happen again? Will the, the less six against bring it back to the field maybe? I don't know. I'm kind of hoping so because... It was a bit crazy last year. If you didn't have turbo, you couldn't even compete. Yeah. And it's funny. Maybe I should have asked you, are two RFs the new CTWs? Because David Fafita, this man, he scored more tries than Brian To'o. So he scored 17 tries to To'o's 14. Again, going against everything I say there about the high ceiling backs and, and not spending money on the two RFs. But this guy's probably the exception to that rule because he is just an absolute freak what he can do. Yeah, it was incredible last year, wasn't it, really? Some of those individual tries that he would score. I, a oh, little spoiler, I've got him in my team at the moment, but I am just looking back, you know, I think it's six of the last seven games or something like that, he started from the bench. So is that a worry heading into 2022? I don't know if it's a worry. I think it definitely changed. Maybe it was a wake-up call to him. I don't know. I think in those games... You can tell me now, you're probably looking at it. How many times did he come off the bench and score a try? It seemed like 80% of them at least. Um, it was almost Titans would get into a game. They'd be 20 minutes, 25 minutes in. They'd be down by 12 points, 18 points, whatever it was. And you'd just think, okay, they'll bring Fafita on. He'll score. They'll down by, yeah, cut the deficit. But 18% ownership, again, I think that's, you know, some people are hesitating because of that price. But is he someone you build a team around? think i'd like to I, i'm hoping that his kind of age and maturity levels increase mm. what's his age going to increase his, but his maturity levels increases this year because i think last year he kind of seemed a bit disinterested at times and he's only young and his performance in origin wasn't great so yeah yeah look i'm just hoping his whole demeanor can be a little bit improved because the scores are there you know 85 average i think there's still room for improvement for him i found it interesting today when i was reading that um Tino Sumaliawi was being considered as a captaincy option by Justin Holbrook. 
Um, now he's he's two RF eligible, Tino, but we'll probably talk about him in the front row slot because that's predominantly where he plays aside from lock forward. But Tino as a captain ahead of Fafita, I mean, would the captaincy bring out the best in Fafita? I know it's hard to bring bring a bloke suddenly off the bench and make him your captain, but would that just maybe sharpen him up a bit and keep him involved for 80 minutes? Because it seems like he only wants to be involved in that final 30 metres to score tries. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it could work one or two ways. He could just really not handle responsibility. But if then again, if he was captain, he could really thrive. Um, I think Tino probably strikes me as more of a leader than Fafida. But um, look, I honestly think Fafida should just be left to his own devices. Hopefully he can find that in himself to be a bit more you know, mature and consistent. But... He's just got to stay on that edge, give him the ball when they're on the front foot and let him do his thing. Yep. Um, I mean, it's, it's simple, isn't it? Just giving the ball. He's bigger and stronger than 99% of other players in the NRL, especially from that far out. Um, and Pat Herbert probably wishes that he gave him the ball in that <laughs> semi-final as well. Um, I have built my team predominantly around, I've already said it in our other podcasts this week, around Nathan Cleary and having two-gun fullbacks. So for now, I don't have him. Um, I've heard some other podcasts say that he is right up there in the calculations. If you're not building a team around Turbo or Cleary, that it has to be for feeder. But again, I just can't bring myself to spend that money on him because I I know that he does have quiet games and I'd be too quick to pull the trigger on him because it's, it's frustrating to watch. You want someone of that price tag being involved and touching the ball 20, 25 times a game. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a risk. Like I said before, he might not even start. So... There's some things you definitely have to consider. I didn't have him in my team until a couple of days ago where he did it, mm. and then I decided I just wanted him, but it could change before then. So, look, I don't know. I'll probably watch the trials of interest, see how fit he looks, and we'll go from there. Speaking of uh, Fafita's changing role towards the back end of last season, so too did this man, Isaiah Papali'i of Parramatta Reels, spent a bit of time in the middle uh, at different stages throughout the season, and... There's talk that he will be rotated through their forwards this year, their middle forwards, that is. 23 games last year, impressive average, which no one would have seen coming. I, I dare say in majority of draft leagues, he would have escaped the draft and probably been that first week waiver pickup. Uh, he or Nico Hines, position ranked two, just 10% owned heading into the new season. And I'm not going to say it's an easy start to the year by any stretch because they have the Titans funnily enough he'll come up against Fafita you think and then an improved Sharks team we think and then away to Melbourne so Isaiah Papali'i at that price tag it's going to be tough yeah Will but uh, yeah, like you said last year I think we were in a draft comp with 12 teams and none of us picked him up in the draft but then unsurprisingly he was first off the waivers after round one um, he kind of tapered off a little bit towards the end of the year a couple of scores in the 40s there just the Eels weren't going that well, though. So, look, I don't know. He's hard to argue with what he did last year, isn't it, really? I just think there's a lot of competition at power in the forwards for spots. He's already signed to the West Tigers. Does that impact his his play, do you think, for the next could season? It, yeah, and it could impact, I guess, how much emphasis and how much they want to use him this year. The Eels, maybe they'll be looking towards, you know, the future and not have him as such a focal point of their play. Um, I'm not going with him at the moment, but like I couldn't knock people for doing it. He could, he could repeat the dose again. I mentioned Fafita scoring a heap of tries. It seemed to me that Papali'i scored a heap of tries, probably skewed towards more the start of the season as well. But 
Um, he was a real attacking source, just as much as he was, you know, an emphasis getting out of their own end and making tackles. I think that first game against the Broncos, he had a 54 or 56 base, which made him just a dream to pick up off the waivers. And then he suddenly started scoring tries. And there was a point there last year where if you didn't have him in your classic team, you were kicking yourself that you didn't get him in earlier. Yeah, if he's playing second row, like he's a real, you know, strike weapon, kind of like for feeder almost. Give, give, mm. give the ball to him, you know, 10 out, and he'll probably do the job. I think also the other Eels, second row, Madison, we haven't really talked about him here. He won't, but he's probably worthy as well to be talked about in the likes of Papa Lee. I think the Eels forward pack overall is very good. So I'm going around them, but definitely our ones to watch. Yeah, and I think I've seen a couple of teams and those that have sort of gone that 500, 550 to 600K mark on the two RFs without blowing the budget and going Papa Lee or Fafita. Feature teams like Madison, sorry, those teams are featured players like Madison, um, purely because we know what he can do. And he's a try-scoring back rower as well, but I think he, he had a couple of games last year where he did score tries and finished with 70. So, yeah, the Eels back row, it's an interesting one to keep our eye on this year. For mine, no, Papali'i no go to start with, but if that price falls or if he is just churning out big numbers, you might have to get him in, maybe at the expense of someone like this, an Angus Crichton who this time last year, Tommy, I think we both had him as probably the best second row option in the game. I started with him last year. I think it might have even been around that price or maybe even a little bit more expensive than that. But I think he started, I won't say slowish. He definitely picked up, I think, as the season went on. 18 games last year, averaged just about 75, 18% owned. Luke Keery back, I think, helps Angus Crichton and... A good couple of fixtures there at the SCG, where we know they love playing, they love scoring tries to start off for the Roosters. Yeah, well, I said Reid Marnie was the safety option for the hookers. I think Crichton is the safety option for the two RFs because I think for Feeder and Papali, he could be a bit hit and miss at times, but Crichton, you just know what you're going to get with him. You know, every week last year is almost getting 80. You can set, set your watch to him, really. Uh, and we, like you said there, the Roosters, we're pretty confident they'll go well with uh, Kiri coming back and whatnot. So... Uh, I have him in my team because I pretty much just want a player that I can bank on getting 70 every week. Yeah, solid vice-captaincy option, I think, Angus Crichton, because you know you're going to get 70, and if you can score a try, then he's probably going uh, upwards of 100. Although you probably you, you might not be looping so often this year as well, but anyway. Um, still, maybe if you want to play a safe captaincy option, Angus Crichton, probably not the worst shout there as well. Um, I don't have him at this stage. I did in a couple of teams that I that I tried to put together, but I've I've shifted. I've gone a little bit cheaper in the two RF slot. As I said, spent money elsewhere that I can't afford players like Angus. As much as I'd love to have him, uh, big fan of Angus Crichton and his work at the Roosters. Next up, uh, a player I know you're a big fan of, Tommy Cameron Murray of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the new captain there at uh, the Foundation Club. What are we expecting from the Rabbitohs this year? I know we've sort of touched on it there with Damian Cook, but Cameron Murray, I think he has a real chance to almost redefine what this South Sydney team's about, and he's going to have to play a little bit more ball playing now with Adam Reynolds gone as well. Yeah, well, I don't know how he could play more ball playing because I feel like he barely took it up last year. But mm. just watching him closely, I had him in drafts. So I was always kind of hoping he would take a run, but he, he's great with his hands, uh, great at those late little balls at the line. I guess it just depends on um, how South go, a lot of it. I, I think a lot of the South seems a bit of a risk at the moment, just with no halfback and new coach. Uh, he doesn't play 80 minutes either, which 
kind of annoys me. And he, he's possible, like he. Sorry, I should say he's capable of playing eighty minutes. I think he's fit as, and I don't know. It has South's forward stocks to me don't seem incredible. Um, and, you know, that might not be being harsh, but I think there's every chance if 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 he plays eighty minutes, suddenly he's an eighty average two RF and you know arguably second best option behind Fafita, if not the best option overall. Yeah, I think last year him and Jai Arrow were kind of eating into each other's minutes a little bit. Mm. They're both really good super coach players if they played 80, but they were kind of playing, you know, 60 each. So um, oh, he has potential. Like you said, if he played 80, I think he'd be worthy of being picked, but I'm just a bit worried about that, yeah. You mentioned Arrow there. We exp- I think a lot of the um, predicted teams and stuff that I've been looking at have Arrow probably on an edge. Which isn't terrible as well, and at his price, I think he averaged in, in. As I'm saying this, you could probably look it up, but I think he averaged about 62 towards the back end of last year. And as the season went on, he just got more and more involved and influential in in South's um, play in their style. And I'm going to say he was a big reason why that they probably surprised the Panthers in that first week of the finals and very nearly sprung an upset in the grand final as well. Yeah, I never probably thought of him as an edge player. I don't know. Going back to the Titans, I thought he was more of a lock. But um, he did play well in the second row, looking at his scores last year, late on, and he had a pretty big influence in games. So they have a pretty strong uh, forward pack. But, yeah, mm. their depth isn't probably great. So you'd hope that Murray and Arrow both get decent minutes. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. And if you are playing around that mid-range or a little bit cheaper than these options, then Jai Arrow maybe not the worst shout as well. Uh, you would have got a flash up there on your screen a little bit earlier than we anticipated. But next man here on our list, Tavita Pangai Jr. Incredible. I think what this man can achieve and when he sets his head straight, which is probably um, not as often as we'd like it to be, but uh, 18 games last year, a rough year for him uh, off the field. 65 points per game. He gets in here as the 10th best 2RF option, just 30%. Well, I shouldn't say just 30% owned. He is 30% owned, which is pretty high. And a new club, and we're expecting a new role on an edge outside Matty Burton. It looks prime real estate out there at the Doggies. Yeah, it does, but I'm surprised by the ownership. Um, I just, having watched him for the past few years and owned him at various times, God, he's Mm. hard to trust. You know, he'll have a great game and then he'll be suspended for three weeks. So, I don't know. I just don't need the headache this year. Yeah, it's a concern, the suspensions, but I think, I don't want to say the Broncos are a bad club, but we saw him at a good club, maybe a more simple role at the Panthers as well, coming off the bench and playing through the middle. I thought he was really good and unlucky to miss out on that grand final uh, appearance. And comes to the Bulldogs. It's a very different Bulldogs team to what we've seen the past couple of years. I think he's going to be a focal point in their attack, almost like, for feeder at the Titans. So you could maybe see that average of 65 going up. Oh, very, very capable of doing that. And I think he's a good comparison to feeder, you know, a few more years, maybe a bit more of a mature head, if you could use that about the Vita But he has the potential to be one of the best second rows in the game. I don't know. I'd just rather see it first before I bank on him doing it. Yeah. And he was around that origin squad in 2018-19 for New South Wales before I think he declared his allegiance to Tonga. So shows you he is capable of being one of the best forwards in the game. 
uh, when he sets his mind to it. I, I like him. I'm with him. I'm all over him this year. I think he's he's ready for a big one. He's dual position as well, which really helps. I ran some numbers in the offseason to suggest, well, trying to pick out the best front rowers. Uh, Payne Haas was a standout. But going weighing all things up, price, um, I think change of role, dual position, I had uh, TPJ as the second best front rower. And I know we're talking second row options here, but... Um, the fact that he is dual position again, I think it really helps his cause for super coaches in 2022. Speaking dual position, Tommy, this man. Now, we've already touched on him, or alluded to him in the hookers section, and a man which has been very well found by super coaches putting their teams together, Ruben Cotter, 13%. Uh, I probably expected this number to be a lot lower, but I think the fact that he is dual position and uh, gets in at a pretty good price there as well, expecting him to play maybe in a lock position this year for the Cowboys if Tamalolo doesn't get vaxxed or if Tamalolo moves to prop. So what are we making of Ruben Cotter? Well, that's the big question. You know, where is he going to be? Is he is he going to be in the first 13? Because I like the look of him and he's had some pretty good scores when he's played, but I'm just concerned about where he's going to be. Um, Obviously, 13%, a lot of people think he's going to, going to make the side there's a lot of young cowboys forwards which i don't really know where they're going to play helam lukey mm. griffin neen there's so many of them so their team this tuesday will be really interesting uh come march yeah and we haven't spoken of those other names nanai lukey and um and such but definitely they'll come into calculations closer to that first team list tuesday and again uh, when we start watching some trial footy and um this conversation will be completely different than if we suddenly have two genuine uh, mid-range options playing big minutes uh, at their clubs. But speaking of, again, probably no better segue than that exact point to Wade Graham. Can you believe that Wade Graham is a 79th ranked 2RF option? I don't think, and I know it's footy versus super coach, but he is not the 79th best second row forward in the NRL. Oh, no, no, exactly right. You are 100% there. Um, I've actually got him in my side. I just pretty random pick, and I, it could change before the season starts. But I'm just kind of banking on his old form. I know he's had so many injuries and he's getting older now, but if he could just stay fit in this pretty good Sharks team playing on an edge, I can see him just getting, you know, 55 every week. And at that price, I'm happy just to take that as a score. Um, yep. Even he's attacking, his he's work with ball in hand can be really good as well. So, you know, he could be good for a try or a try assist too. Bring up those numbers just one more time. 11 games last year. So that's why that average is down. Obviously, he was injured and coming back and in and out of the team. Just 3% owned. So Tommy's one of the 3%. And what you've said to me there, I'd find it hard not to be uh, part of that, to be honest. I'm, I'm looking at him now, certainly. Good start to the year for the Sharks. He is their captain. So you expect him to play. He's, he's traditionally an 80-minute player. I know he's getting older, Wade Graham, but he does love being out there. And you mention of him being an attacking player. Again, I don't know for certain, but I can see Nico Hines throwing Kenny Bromwich over for a couple of tries last year. So maybe it's the case now with the left edge forward at the Sharks and Hines sweeping around Moylan or whatever it is. Wade Graham, he, he's not an out-and-out try-scoring back rower like a Fafita or so, but... In his day, he was pretty handy at finding the line. No, exactly right. And he's, like you said, the captain of the club. I think he's like a proud player. He'd like to get back mm. to his best and have a really good season before he eventually retires. Um, and just looking at 
the uh, other options around his price range. There's really not much there, I didn't think. I thought he probably had the most upside. So I went with him, but I think we're putting a lot of, well, I'm putting a lot of eggs in the Sharks basket this year with McInnes, Graham, even spoke up Matty Moylan the other day. So <laughs> hopefully they go well. Yeah, they might leave you black, white and blue if they uh, <laughs> leave you damage come the, the end of the season. But no, I think what you say there about Wade Graham, he is um, he's a professional. I know he's going to have his body right heading into the new season. And the head knocks are a concern because I think coming back off that, was it an ACL uh, he did in 19 for 20 or 18 for 19? And then he's had some head knocks since. So not that you can really prepare for that. But I know personally, I've, I've spoken to him. He says that he's feeling good and he's... he's looking forward to a new season. So um, he feels clear in the head anyway. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, hopefully that, that's a big one concussion, isn't it? We've seen a few players go through that lately. So fingers crossed he can get through the start of the season unscathed and uh, work into the season well. Now, we've thrown some names out there like Cotter and Graham. That might leave you with more questions than answers. So let's take a break. We're going to come back after this short break and we're going to answer your questions from our mailbag. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back, Supercoach Three Six Five Podcast, talking sports. Tommy, have you been watching much of the Aussie Open? Phenomenal last couple of nights of tennis. Yeah, well, I've never seen the doubles get more uh, more broadcast than they have this year. That's for sure. And the two Aussies, obviously, in the final tomorrow night, as we come to you now. So that'll be a good watch. Uh, who are you tipping for the for the for the title? Oh, I hope they win it. In terms of the men's singles, it's hard to go past the favourite Medvedev, although. I think Nadal's just put on a clinic this afternoon, so he's always going to be tough to beat. Uh, big weekend of sport, as we say. Uh, topsport.com.au, they have you covered. BBL final on as well. So uh, plenty to look forward to this weekend as we soon to be casting our eyes forward to a big season of NRL. Tommy, let's answer some questions here. And there are a couple, so I might just cherry pick a couple of these. Uh, start at the bottom there, Shazza04. Is McInnes too risky playing lock? I'll let you answer this one and, and give, us, give us your thoughts why it's not a risk, perhaps. Well, I'm probably thinking it's not a risk because I look back to his scores last time when he played lock and it, it didn't go down at all from hooker. So where he's playing really doesn't matter with McInnes or didn't last time anyway. I think he should score well in any position. I suppose the only risk is his body and if he's uh, fully fit, ready to go after the big injury. Blake's Brushworks here asks us... Sorry, I'll just turn that microphone down there. Blake's Brushworks asks us... I think Reed is in for a big one. Reed Marnie, that is. He has a locked-in future with the dogs now and is on the verge of a Queensland debut. Blake's Brushworks at Instagram. That's Blake's Brushworks with an X. Best painter in Sydney. And he asks a good question there, Tommy. Yeah, great painter, Blake. Um, like, like we said before, he's a good safety option this year, I guess. Maybe even Queensland to do if something's wrong with Harry Grant or he could be on the bench. So are you you're pretty keen on Reed as well, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I don't have him for now, but certainly can make a case for having him. I think the Eels have they have got a tough draw 
overall over the course of the season. They do have pockets, and I think their first six or seven games isn't too bad. So uh, he does have a lot of attacking stats, does Reed Marnie, but again, I don't think that should sway you from picking a player. If that's the way that the team plays and he jumps out and hits his forwards short, then so be it. Uh, it's hard to stop, obviously. Uh, next one here, we haven't spoken of this. Alex Brigo asks Jack Howarth as a cheapy option. Uh, Jack Howarth, of course, the Melbourne Storm. Uh, just signed a five-year deal, which the Storm don't often sign players to five-year deal. So they obviously have big wraps on this kid. And from seeing a few highlights on YouTube and such, a former rugby union product coming through the Brisbane uh, college system. So maybe some similarities there to Angus Crichton, what he did uh, through Scots College and then found, finding his way to South and then the Roosters. Yeah, well, I feel like if we're seeing a five-year deal for the Melbourne Storm, I obviously have a pretty good opinion of him because not just handing them out for nothing down there, are they? I don't really know much about him, but um, I'm assuming if he's thought of that highly, you probably see a pretty high percentage of ownership. Two, two RFs that we didn't mention here, which I'm a little bit surprised that we didn't. Um, Karen and Aitken, two good options in their own right, but the question's more about the impact of Sean Johnson upon their game. Does that help them? Does that hurt them? For what it's worth, I've got Karen in my team at the moment. Um, I think he's a great option to start the season and try-scoring player. He's always around the ball. So Curran, a yes for mine. Aitken, I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, Curran last year was almost like a Papa Lee, a little bit. I hadn't really heard of him. And then he came out and was one of the best second rowers, really. Um, I think SJ being in the team is only going to help. Their halves last year was a bit of a merry-go-round with SOS and uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita. So, I don't know, hopefully some stability there will help. Will Uwene can play in the second row from the start, do we think? Well, that's the talk, and I think he's confirmed that on Instagram uh, himself, that he will be there. So, But again, just because he plays there for round one, two, doesn't mean he's going to be there rounds 24-25. So at the price, it's sort of an awkward price to play him in your centre wing, which is where you'd probably want to play him. Um, sort of that in-between price. He's not cheap, but again... I'm not. I'm not sold, and I, I could be made to look very silly, but um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm just not sold on Aiken in the back row. I mean, he played all right there to end the season, but I'm not banking on that. As I say, for 25 rounds, uh, Pat Salby asks us. Sorry, we've already answered that one at the start. Uh, we'll move past that one about um, the impact of Harry Grant, what that means to be on the bench. If you missed it, or you're just tuning in late, you can catch that in our hooker preview at the start of the podcast. Uh, a couple of questions here, just saying TPJ, we've covered off. Ruben Cotter, somewhat covered off. Mitchie Musket, ask us again. Plenty of interest in Cam McInnes here. Is he a must-have in your eyes, Tommy? I know you've got him, but and I know you've sort of explained that you're not worried about his role, but is he a must-have at the price? Is, because he does get in at, I think the price is what would get people in. I don't like declaring must-haves because there's no such thing. You, know, you can make your team how you want, but... He's the closest thing I have to a must-have. I just think at the price, you know, I thought it would be a lot more than probably in the 500s. And the fact that he can play, he can cover two really important positions, uh, he's definitely as close to must-have as you can get in my eyes. Certainly going to help around Origin time as well. And I know McInnes was in the Origin squad end of 2020, but he won't be there this year. Um, Just easing his way back into the NRL after that injury. Another one here um, from Logan Nosti, Tarek Sims. Speaking of origin, Tarek Sims. Uh, we didn't even mention him, but incumbent blue second rower. Um, I haven't actually looked at his price, but just as a part of that system. Is he at the Knights now? 
Was he at the at the Dragons? I think he's going back to the Knights, isn't he? Eventually. <laughs> I I tell you, I, he has not been Dragons. on my radar. He hasn't been on my radar at all. I'm always surprised, I guess, to see him in Origin. But he did a he did a good job. He's the sort of player that he'll do a job anywhere, really, no matter mm. where he's playing. But like, he's not really on my radar to be uh to be my team. No, not on mine. Clearly, I don't even know where he's at. I think he did sign to go back to the Knights, but it might be after this year because I know he was he was again playing great footy middle of last year, but uh, didn't have a club. Uh, Dragons extended the contract. I think yeah, he's off to the Knights 2023. So that's where the confusion comes from. There. Last question here before we wrap it up from the Cashos on Instagram it says best team links for second row halves and centers. So uh, I guess sort of alluded to the Burton TPJ combination at the Dogs. Maybe it's Cleary and Liam Martin at the Panthers, or is it a Nico Hines and, and Wade Graham, in your case, Tommy, at the Sharks? I don't know. I uh, haven't really thought about this too much, but it's definite, um, definitely a good question to start thinking about. Yeah, well, those links are important, are they? Um, I've probably, in the last few years, didn't think about that, the uh, sort of having, you know, a half and then the second row combination. But I remember last year even two players who probably were always injured and probably not the greatest players to talk about, but SJ and Nakora, they were a mm. good lightning lethal combination there on that right-hand side. So if you can find that, especially in drafts, if you can get those two players in a combine, um, definitely a big uh, big benefit to your team. I'm sure there's some others. Like maybe Kiri and Angus Crichton. I think Kiri back helps Crichton. I can just see Kiri just putting Crichton through holes and Sam Walker did it a couple of times last year. I remember that one on the Gold Coast. I remember threw Crichton through and Crichton stuck his tongue out uh, before he'd even scored the try. So, again, it probably just stands out because it was such a memorable try. But uh, that's where we'll leave it for today, Tommy. Uh, another big episode, and uh, it's been a big week, hasn't it? And um, plenty to look forward to next week as well. Yeah, we've got two positions left. Uh, the CTWs and the front row forwards are... I found the CCWs to be really hard this year. Uh, other than a few big names, uh, I don't really know where to spend the cash. So be good to have a chat about that next week and then probably be time for almost trial matches after that. Yep, uh, we'll get stuck into some research over the weekend as well, as well as maybe a hard-earned first as well. Uh, Tommy, big week. Well done to you. In the meantime, until then, follow us on socials at Supercoach365. It's been good. Until next time, we'll speak to you then. 
for free shipping and 365 day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 